should, or the way it should. And uh, sometimes sorrow sets in. Sometimes circumstances of this life are not what we expected them to be. But I'll tell you, it doesn't take very long thinking about what the Lord has done for you to give you some gratitude, to cause you to begin to praise in the midst of the storm. Years ago, my sister uh, sang a song with a couple girls, and I loved the message of the song, and the gist of it was, God wants to hear you sing when the waves are crashing around you, when the fiery darts surround you and your strength is almost gone. God wants to hear you sing. I've so been encouraged over the years as I have read the story of Paul and Silas in the middle of the prison, singing praises to God at night. The truth is, no matter how bad the circumstances of life are, if we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're saved. And we're on our way to heaven. And there is so much more that God has done for us than the world has ever taken from us. And oh, what a joy it is to be saved. Let's take our Bibles, if you will, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. over at the Buckaloo's house earlier this week and got to talking with them about some things. And I love to talk about the things of the Lord anyway. Sometimes you get me talking and I don't want to stop. And I felt bad because Brother Lee had just gotten home from work. And, and I thought, man, here I am taking up their time and their evening, you know. And, but I got uh, shared with them uh, something in my life that's with, with uh, reference to my mom. And, uh, and I got to th- thinking on that again this week even more, and I just got so excited about some things. And so, y'all, you have, I have to thank you for the inspiration for the message this morning, at least the trigger that caused me to begin to pray and think about it. And, of course, the Lord uh, brought the message to pass, but it was that incident that caused me to dwell on it and to think on it meditate on it. And uh, I got to thinking about this thing of faith. And uh, oftentimes we, we don't understand it like we should. I, uh, I saw a plaque a number of years ago that said faith is uh, not just believing that God can, but trusting that He will. And I thought, boy, that's a great, great saying, and, uh, but I don't know if we can fully understand the depths of that, uh, or the, the, the mindset of what it is to have this idea of faith. And I think, you know, if we're going to understand faith, there's a lot of people that can give uh, anecdotal evidence of it. We can talk about things in our life that we uh, use that we can say, well, that was just faith. But the truth is, the Bible has the best definition of faith, doesn't it? And is always the best source to go to to find out what it is that faith is. And this is a wonderful passage. In fact, it's known as the faith chapter, the hall of faith, many people call it. But I want us to look at, if you will, in verse number 1. The Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the substance of things hoped for. Boy, what a powerful statement. In fact, when you read that, you, you think, boy, that just seems almost like it's self-contradictory. How can, how can faith be something of substance? And then it speaks of hope. How, how can this be something of substance, that it takes this hopefulness that we have and turns it into something that is solid, something that we can tangibly hold on to. We're going to look at this subject of faith this morning. 
And I want you to be thinking and, and uh, uh, trying to understand what it is that, that the writer of Hebrews is, is speaking about when he says faith is the substance of things hoped for. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that You'll bless the message this morning and speak to our hearts. Guide and direct us. May we rightly divide Your Word. May there be some opening of eyes. May there be some illumination of the darkness of our hearts. The misunderstanding, perhaps, that may go on in the day we live of what truly faith is. May we understand it. And Lord, as a result of that, I would pray that if there's someone here today that is trusting something other than their faith in You, get them to heaven, that they would get that matter settled. That we would not trust our works, we would not trust some prayer that we said or some event in our life, but Lord, that we would trust the fact that we have put our faith in You. I pray that You would guide and direct our steps, help us to have clear understanding. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. I, uh, a number of weeks ago, I've shared this. I shared this. I think on a Wednesday night here a few few weeks ago. Uh, but uh, a number of weeks ago, my my mother, uh, her car died, and it was a car that my dad had bought for her uh, back in 2005 before he passed away, and wanted to make sure she had a car she could drive till she till she was not driving anymore. And so he bought her a, a newer car and a nicer car, and and it's done well. It, it's been almost 20 year old car. And uh, it finally, uh, the last few years, began to have a lot of problems, and we kept patching it up. We had a, a mechanic friend of ours that kept it running. And uh, finally, he called me. Uh, it died on her and left her stranded. And he looked at it, and he called me and said, Greg, it's done. It's, it's pretty well. The, the car's dead. Uh, it's, we can put some other stuff in it if I can even find the parts. And even if we do, it's going to be so expensive, it's really not worth putting him back in this car. And he said, I hate to be the bearer of bad news for you. And my mom learned that, and she didn't have, uh, she, she lives week to week, and she doesn't have two nickels to rub together. And um, God's been good to her, God's been faithful to her, but uh, this is the first time I've ever seen my mom get so uh, discouraged. And by the way, before we're ever critical of someone that's getting discouraged, we do the same thing, don't we? When we don't see a possible solution to the problem that we can understand, that we can see, we begin to fret, we begin to worry, we begin to have anxiety, we begin to stress. And just like all of us do, she did. She began to stress. I've never seen my mom stress quite the way she did. And I mean, just to the point where literally she was getting ready to have some physical problems because of it, I feel. The Lord worked it out where I was able to purchase a car for her up here. And I had uh, things arranged. I was going to be taking it down to her. I was going to surprise her with it. Just show up and be like, Mom, here's your new car. I was going to put a big bow on it. Here's your car. And uh, I told her, I, I, I had to let her know I was coming. So I said, well... Uh, I said, I'm going to come down. I'll be there on, a, on this Monday, and uh, I'll, we're going to get you a car. We're going to get you a car. And uh, 
and little did she know I already had it, but she was going to get that car on that Monday. <laughs> and uh, this was on a Tuesday or Wednesday, I think, before. And um, uh, she she called me one night, and as I do often, I call her two or three times a day usually. And uh, I was talking with her, and she was crying on the end of the phone. I hate to hear my mom cry, especially when it's something that I know I've already got the answer for her for. And she was crying, and she was saying, Greg, it's, it's useless. Don't even waste your time. Don't even waste your money coming down here. There's, there's no way we can get a car. I don't have any money. You don't have any money. Uh, it's going to be a wasted trip. Don't even come down here. And she was distraught. And I mean, I've never seen my mom as distraught as she was. And I hung up the phone. I said, Mom, just, just trust the Lord. I said, He'll take care of it. And uh, she said, well, you know, I, I know that, and it's easy to say that, but I just don't see any solution at this point. By the way, can I help you with something? We don't always see the solution that God has in store. His ways are different than ours. I was telling my dad a number of years ago when he was trying to do a building program for the church, and we had put a little thermometer on the wall, and, the, and it was climbing so slow. I said, at this rate, it's going to take 20 years to get to the, the building program. And he looked at that, and he said, Greg... I'm glad your math and God's math are different, he said. Because God has a way, doesn't He, of doing things. He supernaturally, and I mean literally miraculously, provided a car. And uh, my sister, I hung up the phone. My sisters, I guess, had been on the phone with her a little bit after that. And about 30 minutes later, I get a text from one of them and a phone call from the other. And they said, Greg, you really need to tell Mom that you got her a car because she's going to... She's going to end up in the hospital if you don't. She's, she's really, really having a hard time on this. She hasn't slept in a couple of nights, and she's just worried. And so I told him, I said, okay, well, we'll, we'll let her know. So I called her up, and I told her, I said, uh, and she was still crying. I said, Mom, you need to quit crying. I said, you just need to trust the Lord. Uh, because he's, he's going to take care of it. And she's like, Greg, that's easy for you to say. I said, Mom, you need to quit crying. I said, i got to tell you that I've already bought you a car. And she got real quiet on the end of the phone. The first thing she said was, how many miles does it have on it? <laughs> but you know her, literally within a moment, her whole attitude changed. She didn't have the car yet. In fact, it was going to be four or five days before she was going to have the car. But, you know, she went to bed that night and she slept. And the next day, she was all excited. She went into work. She wasn't distraught. She wasn't anxious. She went in and she told everybody at work, uh, my son bought me a car. He's going to be here on Monday with it. Oh, I'm so excited. And, and here's the thing. She didn't even have the car yet. Now, before I told her this, and I promised that I had already gotten the car and it was already bought and paid for and all she had to do was wait for the delivery of it, she was distraught. She was disturbed. She was full of anxiety. She was hopeful that there was a solution out there and wishful that it was going to happen, but she, she could not see any possible way. By the way, before we got saved, that's exactly where we were. There was no hope. We couldn't save ourselves. We knew that we were sinners. We knew that there was nothing we could do to save ourselves until we read in Scripture. 
that our Heavenly Father had already bought and paid for it. And my mom could have said, Greg, I, you're, you're kidding me. I don't believe you. Hung up the phone and continued anxious, not knowing that she was going to have another car. She could have rejected it and said, I, I don't believe you. You're just saying that. Uh, that's that's just that's just a bunch of things that people have told me, but I don't really believe it. And by the way, a lot of people do that about the gospel message, don't they? But when she trusted what I said, she put her faith in the promise that I had made for her. And all of a sudden, the thing that was hopeful, that she was wishing for, the thing that was unseen now had some substance to it. Now had something that she could anchor to and, and, and rest upon. And, and I know this is a flawed illustration because it was done humanly and, 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 and certainly it's not a perfect illustration of this. But I want us to understand something that for the next four or five nights, my mom slept like a baby. And my mom had joy in her heart. And she kept telling people every time she saw him, I, I, my son's coming Monday and he's bringing me a car. She didn't have it yet. But because she trusted the one that made the promise to her, she rested in that truth. Can I tell you this today, that that is what putting our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ does for us. That's what saves us, is when we get to the place where we don't see a solution. We don't see how we can get out of this. But we read in Scripture that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. When we read that He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. When we read in there in Romans uh, chapter 6 and verse number 23, that the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. When we begin to read these things and understand that God paid the price for us, He already bought and paid for our redemption. It's already done. And all we have to do is to trust Him. To put our faith in it. And say, okay, Lord, I know that I'm going to heaven, not because I've done anything, but because I trust that you paid the price for me. I'm putting my faith in that. And all of a sudden, that which was unseen, all of a sudden, that which was hopeful, that which was wished for, all of a sudden, some substance comes to that. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Look at verse number 3. Through faith, we understood that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Why does it take faith to believe that? Because we didn't see it, did we? So we have to trust what He told us in Scripture. And it's by faith. We believe in creation by faith. By faith, or through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things 
which do appear. That tells us right there, evolution doesn't hold any water. The things that we have today, they weren't made by things that that were already in existence or that appear. They were made by the Word of God. We believe it by faith. By the way, notice in verse 4, By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Look in verse number 5, By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is, what's the next word here? Impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen, not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Can you imagine that? Put yourself in Noah's place for a minute. God comes and talks to you. First of all, that would be a miracle in and of itself, wouldn't it? Could you imagine actually hearing the voice of God? He doesn't speak audibly to us today. He did back then. He came to Noah. He says there's going to be a flood. <laughs> it's, it's, going to, it's going to cover the earth. It's going to destroy man. And I need you to build an ark. I doubt Noah knew very much about what an ark was. I think they had boats then. They probably had boats then. They probably knew that things could float. But God tells Noah to build an ark. And he does so. Years begin to pass. And he keeps building. Decades begin to pass. And he keeps building. People begin to ridicule and scoff at him. And he keeps building. Why? Because there was some substance. God had said it, and that's all Noah needed. Noah held on to what God had said and said, if God said it, it's settled. It's not a matter of it might happen. It's a matter of it's going to happen. And he put faith in it. And he was consistent and he was faithful till the end. And because of his faith, God used him to save the human race through his family. Now notice as he says in verse number 8, By faith Abraham... When he's called to go out into a place where, which he should after receive as an inheritance, obey. He went on the promise of an inheritance. Did he have the inheritance yet? No. But God said, if you'll go, I'll give you an inheritance. And you know what Abraham did? He put faith in what God said. It wasn't something that was wishful thinking. It was something that caused Abraham to wander as a nomad for years. Somebody would say, well, what would motivate Abraham to do this? The Word of God. He had faith in it. It wasn't something that was wishful. It was something that was substantive. It was something that because he believed the One who had made the promise, it was just as good as done in his eyes. Why? Because God had promised. That's faith. Notice he says here in verse number 11, Through faith... Also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged Him faithful who had promised. Can I say, that's probably the single greatest definition of faith in Scripture in that verse. She believed in Him, the faithfulness of Him who had promised. (coughs) Faith is not wishing. Faith is not hoping. Faith is not saying, well, I I sure hope I make it to heaven. 
Faith is knowing that we're going to be in heaven. Why? Because He is faithful who promised. <coughs> Notice He also says this. He says down in verse number uh, 17, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he, had re- and he, had, he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac. You say, why was he willing to sacrifice Isaac? Because he believed God. Notice what it says here. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. In other words, he said, listen, even if, if, if I do and obey what God has told me to do, I believe God's able to raise my son from the dead because He promised that in Isaac is my promise and my seed. Abraham had faith. That was not wishful thinking. It was not hopeful thinking. It was as if it had been done. Notice, he says here in verse number 20, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau (coughs) concerning things to come. They hadn't happened yet, but he told them of what was going to happen. And Isaac had faith in it. Notice it says in verse 21, By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both his sons Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel. And gave commandment concerning his bones. Do you know that when Joseph died, he knew that God was going to deliver Israel? And he says, when it happens, you're to take my bones and carry them with you. Folks, that's faith. Joseph didn't get to see it. But he was trusting the one who was faithful, who had promised. By faith, Moses, when he was born was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. They had faith to just believe God. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured, and I want you to underline that word or keep that word in your mind, he endured, because we're going to come back to this, he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses had not yet seen God, but he knew that he would. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he be destroyed uh, and the firstborn, uh, the, uh, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians essayed to uh, do and were drowned. <coughs> I was talking to somebody just this week about this. It's interesting that if you'll go back and read the story where the Israelites are backed up against the Red Sea and the Egyptians are pursuing hard after them, that Moses goes and he stands before the people and he says, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And you think, what a mighty leader Moses was. What a great man of faith. But in the next verse, we see him on his face before God, asking God, Well, Lord, what am I supposed to do here? What should I do? And you remember what God said? God basically said, What are you doing here? Go forward. Go forward. 
He tells Moses to go and to stretch the staff. And you know what Moses did? He just believed God. Put put this in in perspective. Put yourself in Moses' shoes. Here's, Here's a million or more people that don't know whether yet to trust you or not. And you're going to tell them to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Then you're going to get in a place where they can see you. And you're going to raise a rod out over the over this Red Sea. If it doesn't happen, if God doesn't do what He says He's going to do, you're going to look like an idiot. And these people aren't going to follow you anywhere. Moses had faith because God told him to do it. Guess what he did? He did it. And God did a mighty work. God didn't part the Red Sea before Moses obeyed. He waited till he obeyed. Notice the Bible says here in verse number 30, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Could you imagine trying to tell the children of Israel, we're not going to fight this city, we're just going to walk around it. I imagine there was probably some people murmuring about that. There were probably some men sitting at home among their friends at night saying, this, 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 is, this is ridiculous. Uh, uh, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this, is, this is terrible. We're walking around the city thinking we're going to defeat it. By faith. By faith. Joshua had been told by God, walk around it. And guess what Joshua did? He went to the people. He said, put the swords away, put the spears away. We're just going to walk around the city. We're going to do it once a day for seven days. On the seventh day, we're going to, or for six days, on the seventh day, we're going to walk around seven times. And God's going to give us the victory. Could you imagine what these people had to have been saying? But every day they got up and they did what Joshua said. Why? Because Joshua had no better sense than to just trust God for what he said. And by the way, it would do us well to have that kind of sense, wouldn't it? It took something that was wishful thinking, something that was hopeful, something that these children of Israel looked at and said, we need to defeat this city. And it brought some substance to it, didn't it? Something they could hold to and say, we're just going to trust God to do it. Notice he says in verse number 32, And what shall I more say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and David also and Samuel and of the prophets and who through faith subdued kingdoms and wrought righteousness, obtained uh, promises, stopped the mouths of lions, Quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword out of weaknesses, were, were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. You ever thought of the martyrs? What caused them to stand firm and to stand steadfast in their faith? In the face of death, and not only the face of death, but to stand and endure the tortures and the torments of martyrdom. Women, children, who were thrown to the lions, who stood there and said, We believe 
God. I wonder in the day we live, is there faith in our hearts? Do we just believe God at His Word? If God said it, that's just, that's just settled as far as I'm concerned. Is that the way we feel? Why then do we have such little faith? Why then do we worry and stress and become anxious? Why then do we not follow the things that God tells us in His Word with diligence and with fervency? Is it because we lack faith? Is it because we maybe have just a misunderstanding of this thing of faith? Faith is taking God and His Word as though it's already done. To say it's, it's something of substance. By the way, there's going to come a day, the Bible says, where our faith will become sight. I'm looking forward to that day. A few weeks ago, I pulled into Fort Pierce, Florida, and man, I got off that exit. I could not wait. I'm minutes away from my mom. I was gonna, I was gonna just pull in there to, to work and 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 jump out of the car and walk in it. And sure enough, I get there a few minutes later, and she comes running out the building as much as she can run. She comes at a brisk pace. Let's put it that way. Seventy-eight years old, you don't do a lot of running. She comes out, and boy, her face lit up. There's hardly a day goes by that when we talk, she doesn't say something about the car. She knows that God provided that car. She's made the comment to me a number of times. She says, Greg, I don't even know why we worry anymore. God is so faithful. God is so faithful. Yet we are shaken often in our faith. We live in a day where through apathy, through perhaps religious liberty that we've had and the fact that we've not had to strive for our faith, we have grown calloused and perhaps weak in this area of just trusting God. The writer of Hebrews talks of these that were martyred. And in verse 38, he says, "...of whom the world was not worthy." They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Folks, if that's not faith, I don't know what is. They didn't receive the promise before they died, did they? They went to their deaths having not yet received the promise, but with faith that the promise was yet to come. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us, let us lay aside the weight which doth so easily beset us. 
How are we going to do that? By faith. How am I going to live a holy and a godly life in a wicked and a dark world? By faith. How am I going to have the strength to overcome? By faith. Because He is faithful who promised. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. How can I do that, Pastor? You just don't understand the life that I'm living. You don't understand what I'm going through. By faith. God promised. But Pastor, I just don't see it. I don't understand how it's even going to be accomplished. Just trust God. Keep running the race that He's given you to run with your eyes on the end of the, of, the, of the race, the prize that is set before us. You keep running it. You keep being steadfast. You keep being unmovable. You keep being always abounding in the work of the Lord. You continue to pursue after godly living, to try to stay away from the sin in our lives, to, to have a hatred and to eschew the sin, to have a love for righteousness in God. You say, that's a hard thing to do in this world. Yes, but I can do it by faith. I can do it by faith. Because faith is something I can grab a hold of that is a substance. Because God has promised. Wherefore, seeing we all circumpassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Notice this. The author and the finisher of our what? Faith. You know, the Bible tells us that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. He'll continue to do that work in your heart. He's the author of my faith. He's the finisher of my faith. And I am to do these things by keeping my eyes on the One who has promised. I'm to live a godly life, a life that, that is eschewing evil, that a life that is pursuing after righteousness and holiness, looking unto Jesus. I'm to lay aside the weights of my life. I'm to lay aside the sin which just so easily beset us. And I am to pursue after, I am to run the race that is set before me, looking unto Jesus. Why? Because He's my author and finisher of my faith. He's the only way I'm going to make it. You know, I cannot avoid sin without God's strength. He's the one that said, I've made a way of escape. He's given it to every single one of us that have trusted Him as our Savior. He's the one that has inspired the writer of the Psalms to say, With my whole heart have I sought Thee. Oh, let me not wander from Thy commandments. Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not, what? Sin against God. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable 
for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We just need to have faith. You see, it's difficult to live a godly life. Have faith. It's difficult to, to live in a, a worldly society and not live in a worldly way. Have faith. We're compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses, the Bible says. I don't know to what extent those that have gone before us can see and understand things on earth, but apparently they are witnesses of our life. Because he says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside the weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now I want you to notice this in verse number 2 of chapter 12. Looking for unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, and I want you to notice this, endured... The cross. There's that word again I asked you to remember, didn't I? Endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that, here it is again, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. What is faith? Why is it so important? It's going to help me live godly. It's going to help me be separate from the world. And it's going to help me to endure. Why do I need to endure? Because this world is going to do everything it can to get you to fall and to stumble. This world is going to do everything it can to entice you to its carnality and its worldliness. And there are many, many people who name the name of Christ who say, I, I just give up. It's no use. I can't do it. Yes, you can. By faith. By faith. You say, I don't have the strength. No, you don't. But He does. And He has promised you some things. And faithful is He who promised you. Who also will do it. I love what it says in Hebrews 11. and verse number 11. Regarding Sarah's faith, it says, Because she judged him faithful, who had promised. You know how you get saved? You put your faith in what Christ promised you. He promised you that if you would put your faith in Him, and all He did to pay your price on Calvary, that He would save you from your sin. He would take His righteousness and He would put it on your account. He promised that. By the way, that's how we can know that we have eternal life. Isn't it wonderful to be able to know that we have eternal life? Not just hope, not just think, not just maybe, but we know how? By faith. It's something that has substance to it. It's something that I can anchor myself to. I can know that I know that I know that I'm on my way to heaven. Why? Because I have put my faith in what Christ has promised me. 
I don't know if I can live the Christian life, Pastor. I don't know if I can live a moral and a godly life in the world that we live in today. Apparently we can. The writer of Hebrews says we're to lay aside every weight in the sin which just so easily beset us and run with patience the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He will enable you to endure. Unless you think God just doesn't understand, the writer of Hebrews tells us to consider Him who endured. The Lord Jesus Christ endured Calvary. He endured the rejection of His own people. He understands what it means to endure. Do you have faith this morning? The Bible kind of faith? When you got saved, did you have the faith of just trusting God at His Word for what He said? Put your faith that He would save you from your sin if you would simply put your trust in Him. As a Christian, do you have faith to believe God that He will help you to live a life that is pleasing to Him? A life that eschews evil and loves and hungers and thirsts for righteousness. We can have that kind of life. We can go from the place of having no hope not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, not seeing the solution, having anxiety, being discontent to a life of absolute peace and contentment. By one thing, faith. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Without faith, the Bible says it is impossible to please God. How's our faith today? I like to think I have faith, don't you? I think we all do. I look at some of the stories of the disciples. Peter got out of the boat, began to walk to the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. Before we're critical of Peter, he is the only other person besides Christ who ever did walk on water. I certainly haven't done it yet, and I don't think you have either. He had faith, there's no doubt about it. But you remember when he began to sink? Jesus said, O ye of little faith. And I think if Peter's faith was little, what must mine look like? What must it look like? O we of little faith. In the day we live, that we would have a revival of people who will just say, I'm going to just trust God. I'm just going to have faith. I'm not going to worry. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to be anxious. I will be bold. I will be strong. I will be confident in the things of what the Bible tells me to be in. I'm going to pursue after godliness and righteousness and holiness. And I'm going to do it in the midst of a perverse and a wicked generation that has no love for the things of God. And I'm going to do it by faith. Because faithful is He who promised. Let's stand together, shall we? Father, I pray that You would help to encourage the heart of someone here in this room today. Some who perhaps have suffered discouragement, defeat. Some that have been cast down in their spirit. 